We're going to be in the book of Haggai, or Haggai, however you want to pronounce it. Uh, for a lot of you, this is going to be a book you've probably never read or even uh, heard about, possibly. Um, if you're using one of the Bibles that are in the uh, seats, um, one of our house Bibles is uh, actually page 783 and 784. The whole book is a matter of two pages. Not a whole lot is said, but there is a lot of meat. There is a lot to talk about and discuss and, and break down. I relate a little bit to him because I feel like I, I, I'm a man of few words. My sermons are typically pretty short in comparison to a lot of preachers. But uh, I, I hope and pray that God uses the time we have this morning um, to, to teach us something through his word. And it's not something that I've I uh, want to give that off my heart, but I pray that it's uh, what God is wanting to speak to us. This is one of the minor prophets, uh, so you'll see it's towards the end of the Old Testament, towards the middle of your Bible. I'm going to go ahead and begin reading, um, because as we go through this story, I want you to have context of what we're talking about. And the title um, is a call to rebuild the temple. On August 29th, and this is a New Living Translation that I'm reading out of this morning. Yours may read a little bit different. Um, you can try to follow along with us. On August 29th of the second year of King Darius' reign, the Lord gave a message through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Shiltil. I'm probably mispronouncing these, and I apologize about that, but more than likely you probably don't know either. Uh, governor of Judah and to Jeshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. And in verse 2, is, this is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. The people are saying the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. And then as we go towards the uh, middle of the chapter, uh, I want to pick back up at verse 12. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shiltil, and Jeshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the whole remnant of God's people began to obey the message from the Lord their God. When they heard the words of the prophet Haggai, whom the Lord their God had sent, the people feared the Lord. And then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave the people this message from the Lord, saying, I am with you, says the Lord. So before we get into the, the breakdown of these 15 verses, um, let's pray. Let's ask that God will speak to each and every one of us, because I believe that God's Word is living. It tells uh, something different to each one of us in, in the lives that we live so let's pray and ask that God um, would speak to our hearts, that we would be open to receive His message to us. God, we thank You for Your Word. I thank You even for the Old Testament, the New Testament. God, I, I believe that Your Word is profitable for us. It's good for us to know it. It's good for us to hear from You. I pray that You would do that this morning. Um, God, you, just use me as an instrument. Um, God, I don't want to give my just opinions um, or thoughts, because ultimately they would fail. I, I desire you to speak to each and every one of us. And I pray, um, God, for your blessing, give us uh, open hearts to receive it. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, let's go ahead and get right into this, because we do have communion this morning, and I don't uh, want to be disrespectful of your time, but I do want to uh, take some time to see what this book has to say to us. Like I said, this is a minor prophet book, uh, that's what it is is called, but it does not mean that it's minor um, in, in what it means or minor in its message. It just means that it's a really short book, um, but it does pack a punch. And we're actually only going to get through the 15 verses of this two-page uh, book of the Bible. I want to give you a little bit of the setting uh, where we're at at this point. Um, the last time I spoke, we talked about King Josiah. 
Um, and one of the things that were discussed there was the, the Babylonian exile. And where we're at currently is, is further down the road. Um, the, God's people have been in slavery and exile uh, for the past 70 years. And now we're at the point where they've been freed. They've been freed from their slavery, um, and they're allowed to go back to where they came from. Now, it's, it's always important. How does, how does that apply to me? Like, what part of the story does that apply to my life? Um, and I see this as, as God freeing us from the bondage of, of sin. Now, there's two people that we've already heard their names, and, and you'll see it throughout the chapter, and actually in the book of Ezra also. Um, but it's Zerubbabel and Joshua. Those two men um, were mentioned right in the first verse because they were the leaders of uh, these people. And we actually see uh, that they are a big influence on where they are. So once they arrived home, these two men were the ones uh, to lead the charge to rebuild the temple. And when they arrived back home, these people were very excited. They were very um, encouraged and zealous to get things going back to where they were before. Because they remember before they were put in slavery uh, that things were good. Things were um, flourishing and it was a lot different than what they came home to. What they came home to was the temple had been destroyed. The temple was in ruins. Um, it was overgrown with weeds and it was just not how they remembered it. So they were very excited to like get back to work, get God's temple back to where it used to be. And I know a lot of us feel that same way maybe about, uh, about even our church or our um, lives in general, that we remember a good time, the good old days, and if we could just get back to what they were before, uh, we would be happy. Um, but I feel like you guys will relate to a lot of what this story has to say about when things happen, um, and ultimately they change for what we thought they would be. So unfortunately, when they got back home, the only thing they got started was the foundation. Uh, they literally got to that part. They just got to the part where they were able to build on top of something, um, and there, there was some pressure from the Persian king uh, to quit. Uh, so they was like, okay, we're, we'll, we'll just go back to living our lives and, and deal with this another time. So they ultimately quit uh, what God wanted them to do, and they got back. And we don't learn a whole lot about Haggai um, and his ministry. We, we have very few details, but I can tell you that his ministry was very short also. Um, it was probably about less than a year. Um, but God used him. God was very strategic about putting him in place. Um, and his ministry was to reveal part of God's final revelation of the Old Testament. You think of all the things that have happened so far. I mean, just look at how, how thick the book is. And we've gotten through a lot of stuff. And Haggai um, was very important in bringing things to an end and giving some of God's final revelations. Uh, so it's a very important book of the book. And I believe that God has something to say to us today, this morning, from it. I don't believe that I'm old yet, yet, uh, but I can say that um, being with the youth group and younger guys and younger girls that, uh, you know, 31 does seem pretty old to them. Uh, but I can say one thing for sure is that with age does come some wisdom. Uh, obviously, some of you are much more wise than I am, and that doesn't mean that you're just older than I am, you're just more wise than I am. Um, but I have learned that with age does come some wisdom, um, whether that be through experiences that you go through um, or even as you witness things happen, you begin to be more wise about the decisions you make. And, and through God giving us that wisdom, um, we have learned those things. And I know that confidently I can say that God raises up people strategically. Uh, 
He's very intentful on the people he uses. He raises people up to join his mission at the right times and right places, and we obviously see that throughout the whole Bible. We see it uh, throughout the Old Testament, but we also see the people that Jesus picked out um, in the New Testament. We, he picked out certain people. He picked out people that probably wouldn't have been the ones we chose, but he's very strategic. Um, and I can tell you there's a few examples of people that God has put in my life that have, have been very strategic with God leading me in certain ways, and they've been able to point me to him. Um, I've been able to witness other people um, going through those same things. Actually, I got to talk to one of my friends this past week, um, Vince, and uh, I, I may have shared the story. I know I shared it with a youth group before, and I don't want to repeat everything. Uh, but Vince uh, was, was born in Mansfield and went through the foster care system. His dad died as a kid. Uh, mom, really rough situation uh, with, with different drugs. And uh, I believe she was in and out of jail as a kid. But he went through the foster care system and never actually got adopted. Um, and he went in pretty young. But there was someone God put in his life at a very strategic point because this was a point in his life as a, as a teenager um, that he was beginning to... Um, do things that he probably shouldn't have done um, because he was, he was going down a path that people said he should have um, went down when it was really the wrong way. And he actually put a high school, his high school teacher in his life and the high school teacher realized the situation and offered to bring him in and say, hey, you can come live with us until you graduate um, and then we'll, we'll go from there. Um, his name was Ray. The, the teacher's name was Ray. Uh, Ray come, has a military background uh, probably a little more strict than others. Um, but that changed the direction of my friend Vince's life. The road he was going down, which was parentless, um, in and out of different homes for foster care, that changed the trajectory of his life from there. Um, he, Vince just had his, uh, his second kid this past week, um, and he was able to name his son Ray after his high school teacher, and it was just, it just, you're able to see God work throughout the whole situation over the past, it's probably been 10 years now that, that that started. But we see how God works and placed someone in his life that really pointed him to Jesus. He was able to rededicate his life um, and, and become a believer in Jesus. And uh, thankfully, he's on a better path than what he was headed down before his high school teacher brought him in. I know for me, I've had countless people that have, have shown up in my life and, and been really important uh, for the path God was putting me on. Um, I know one in particular, and uh, you guys have known I used to work at Baker's Collision before coming here. Uh, but before Baker's Collision, I was working at another uh, body shop in Galleon, and it wasn't ideal. It was, it was not the best situation. Um, there, there were issues with management, ownership, and I was praying for God to give me something else. The, 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 pay, the pay that I got there was not nearly enough to deal with the, all the other stuff um, that I was trying to overcome. And God, out of nowhere, um, I got a call from them and, and they asked if I would want to join the Baker's family. Um, and that, that stuck out to me um, because that was different words that I've not heard before. It, it was, as a business, I felt like I was a number a lot of times. Um, but when I went there... I was able to witness um, a lady that owned a business and showed me how you lead people as a Christian, um, even in an unchristian environment, really. I mean, they're, they're hiring people for their skills, and obviously it's a benefit to have good people, um, but a requirement wasn't that they were Christian to work there. 
Um, but to see someone step up, um, be a Christian in the workplace uh, was something that I was blessed to see. And I, I have learned from that. And that's been a, a good thing for my life. And God used her, one, to improve my situation because it was not the greatest um, at the other place, but also that I was able to learn and uh, be benefited from that. I believe that some of you are here this morning and that God has placed you at our church very strategically. I think that God uses um, situations to bring you here. And I know that each one of you have something that somebody else needs here at this church. I know that's weird to say because some of you may think, you know, I don't have anything to offer other people. Uh, but that's not true. Um, I believe that some of you are fulfilling that purpose already. You've, you've come to this church maybe as a, a non-Christian or you've come from another church. Um, those things are okay. Um, like I said, God is very strategic in placing people at certain times at certain places. Um, but I believe that there's a possibility um, that some of you have already fulfilled that pers- purpose and some of you are still deciding if that's what you want to do um, or if you're going to do that. I want to be honest with you guys. I didn't plan on preaching this message. Uh, something I really wanted to preach on, and uh, it probably would have drove Cassie nuts, is that I wanted to preach about things I learned from Mr. Rogers. Um, I don't know if you knew this, but Mr. Rogers was a Christian. He was actually an ordained minister with uh, the Presbyterians. Mr. Rogers, to me, um, I learned so much about the way you treat people, and obviously he was coming at it with a Christian worldview. But now that I've, I'm older and I can look back and see how instrumental he was in certain areas for our culture and our society, I don't know if you knew this, but I want to give you a couple of examples about him. And I believe that God was using him uh, for his purpose, for, for our benefit as from the United States. Uh, there was a time, I think it was in the 60s, so this is early on in his program history, um, but there was, there was some big race issues. Uh, there, were, there was actually on the news station um, all over the, the United States where um, hotel owners were not happy with, um, it, it, I don't know if it was just black people or, or in other races, but they would go out, if the, and if they were in their pool, they would pour chemicals in the water to get them out. And you think of how bad that is and how and evil it is. And for us to think about that nowadays, you think, you know, if somebody does that and they need to be locked up for their life and, and it's just not good. But that's what the whole news feed was um, over our country. Obviously, this is before I was born. But Mr. Rogers used his platform and his opportunity. And one of the coolest things he ever did, I think, was that he took um, one of the people on his TV show who was a black police officer and he had his set set up. Um, it was supposed to look like he was in his backyard, and he had a little pool set up, and he was cooling his feet off. Uh, that's what he told the officer when he came in, and he said, hey, you know what? Why don't you come over here and sit beside me? Like, put your feet in here. Let's also, uh, let's cool you down. But for him, he was using his platform and what God had given him to counter the evil that was in the world and show you this is how you treat people. This is your neighbor. This is how you love someone. Treat them as if they're yourself. And it, I was like, that's so powerful Like that this dude didn't care about what society thought about race issues. He's like, this is what God wants, and this is how I'm going to treat somebody, no matter who's watching, if it's the world or not. Uh, one of the other things he, he didn't shy away from um, when our president was assassinated. 
He brought that up to little kids. He didn't shy away from the tough stuff. Um, even the, when the spaceship was, when obviously the accident happened on live TV, I feel like God used that man to talk about all these bad situations and show you what the truth is behind them. I mean, obviously, he left a legacy of kindness uh, behind him. Um, so I, I encourage you this week, if uh, anyone wants to go, I'd love to go watch the, uh, the movie with Tom Hanks in it. Um, that, I don't know what it is, uh, probably getting older, having kids or something, but uh, man, I, I get a little emotional thinking about that kind of stuff because Mr. Rogers seems like the, the weak, I call it yuppie kind of guy. But man, that dude, that, that was a man's man to stand up to culture and do his own thing. Not, he doesn't care if his show's going to get canceled or anything. But anyway, getting past uh, my friend and my boss and even that some of you got his, um, is, is raising up. Um, and then obviously Mr. Rogers. In this story in particular, God raised up Haggai for the strategic purpose to rally God's people to rebuild the temple. Do you guys realize how big of a challenge that was? I mean, these people have been sitting around for 16 years knowing what God wanted them to do, but they've just been sitting around for 16 years. And how, how is he going to change that? This is a, a spirit and a culture that they have just been living in and are used to. And he's going to come in and try to tell them to do something different. Uh, this guy is faced with an enormous challenge. So it's been 16 years that they've been freed to go back home. Consider the detailed timing in this first verse. And you can read this by yourself, um, but regarding God's message. The word of the Lord came in the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month. So the timing was correct. God was very specific about what time this was. Now, the, the NLT version says August 29th. There's a very specific time that God was raising Haggai up. So the timing was right. And then also the word came to the prophet Haggai. So the man was right also. The word came to the prophet in Jerusalem of Judea. So the place was right. You can see that God's very specific about who is going to deliver this message. So God's not just waiting on somebody to do it. God is calling you and he's calling me to do specific things. Um, and we see that through that first part of the, um, actually the very first verse of this book. Uh, let's go to the verse 2 here. It says, This is what the Lord of heaven army says. The people are saying, The time has not yet come to rebuild the house, house of the Lord. Have you guys ever heard that before? It's just not time yet. It's just not, you know, maybe tomorrow or maybe next year I'll do this or that. This was a very apathetic people. They were busy with their own lives. They were not interested at this point in rebuilding the temple. Are you, are you starting to get a glimpse of what God's telling us yet? Are you starting to see how rebuilding the temple and a call to rebuild the temple is very relevant to our life? So I want to ask you this before, before we go further in this. Take a hard look at your life. And be doing this as we finish up this book. I'm sorry, the first 15 verses of this book, I should say. Take a hard look at your own lives. And now I can tell you that if you're in any type of leadership, whether you're a supervisor, manager, um, 
whatever the leadership is, you can relate to this. Relating to the, the, the hard job of trying to motivate people to do something they're not interested in. Uh, does anybody have kids that maybe have this issue? Maybe you're trying to tell them to do something they're not interested in doing. Um, I can tell you Reagan is, is pretty stubborn sometimes. And uh, you have to be very persuasive in getting her to do stuff. And I'm so sure some of you can relate to that, uh, maybe even with your uh, older children. So if you're in any type of leadership, parenting, career, you can re relate to this. Um, so this has been an issue for thousands of years. We're in the Old Testament, and they're dealing with this. God's people, for, for so long, and really since the beginning of time, even with Adam and Eve, have been content with what I would consider a Christian light. A light being um, less than, not as good as, uh, what God has really called us to. So many of us are content with that. And these people in particular have become used to worshiping in rubble. They've become used to uh, being Christians and putting off what God had actually called them to do. And Haggai, and even for the message that we're hearing today, is that God is calling us to go back to that. He wants us to rekindle our dedication, our obedience to His work. The sad truth is, is that just like God's people here in this book, uh, some of us are content with living in disobedience to what God's called us to do. Now, that's a, that's a hard pill to swallow. We know that for each one of us, God's called us to be more like Him. He's called us to do certain works that are specific to us. And I can say that I've, I've been guilty of this also, putting things off farther more than I should have. And I would bet that there's some of you here today that feel that same way. You know God's called you to do something, but you've been putting it off, and unfortunately that means that we've become content living in disobedience. So if you took a long, hard look at your, your life, is there something that you've put off that God wants you to go back and work on? Is it something like bitterness? Is it someone that you've not forgiven? that God, you know God wants you to do? Are there any grudges that you've held? Or is there something you know God's called you to do, but you've began that process of putting it off because just like these people have said, the timing wasn't right. You just weren't ready to do that yet. You weren't ready to commit to what God had called you to do. I'm, I'm not going to sugarcoat it and say like this is so easy to do just go and do it that's not the case at all actually a lot of times when you do these things it, it brings up confrontation it refreshes the hurt that you've been through um, the pain of the bad situations or even uh, why you've put things off i realize that they're not easy um, but it's worth it if that can be any encouragement to you it's worth it to go back uh, to those things because it's what God desires for you. And I want you to begin thinking about this now, actually. So if, if, that, if that is you, begin thinking about that right now because here in a little bit we're going to take uh, communion. Um, and, and it's good to take a long, hard look at yourself. Um, ask God for forgiveness before we are reminded of what He done for us. And you can ask Him for forgiveness and even help in doing that. 
And then I want to uh, close with this last point, is that we need, it ultimately comes down to obedience. We need to obey His voice. I want to read these last few verses, 12 to 15. It says, Then Zerubbabel, son of Sheltil, and Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the whole remnant of God's people began to obey the message from the Lord their God when they heard the words of the prophet Haggai, whom the Lord their God had sent. The people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave the people this message from the Lord. I am with you, says the Lord. So the Lord sparked the enthusiasm of Zerubbabel and the governor of Judah and the enthusiasm of Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. And the enthusiasm of the whole remnant of God's people, they began to work on the house of their God, the Lord of Heaven's armies, on September 21st of the second year of King Darius' reign. We see that they responded to the message. Ultimately, it comes down to obedience. Are you going to decide to be obedient or continue living a light version of Christianity? I talk about this with the kids all the time in youth group because um, a lot of the questions they have are, well, what's my career supposed to be? What's God's calling on my life? And I think our culture ultimately tells them that God's blessing comes in success of those things, that um, it is an indicator if God's blessed you if you're rich or if you're, you have a good career, when that's actually not the case at all. Um, but can God bless someone financially? Yes. Is that an indicator of God's blessing? No. And that's hard for them because they see people struggling uh, financially, but they could be in God's will. Um, and then they also see people flourishing and, and you know, living a lavish lifestyle. And it's hard to comprehend that that's not blessed by God. So it's not an indicator of obedience if you're successful um, to our world standards. God has a greater purpose for each of us. Um, I know I spoke about this with um, the last message I gave, but God has a greater purpose for your life, but ultimately this is a daily surrender to Him. And then after day after day after day and weeks and months and years, you begin to see that, yeah, your life has been one that's of surrender and obedience, but it has to be something you do every day. Um, I know that uh, over this past weekend, and, and can I say this real quick? Um, because I, I know this has been something I, I just wanted to clarify. We didn't start the fire at Skyview, uh, but it did catch on fire. We were, we were there, but it was in the middle of night. We weren't in that place. Uh, but one of the things we got to talk about while we were at the retreat is, um, is, is fear. And for a lot of the uh, students today, they fear um, things like what is God's will. And, and so while we're talking about this, uh, we talked about a daily surrender. And there was someone there from out of town, um, and I got to speak with her um, and what God's doing with her life. And it's really interesting because she lives a, an extreme life. Um, of obedience. She actually travels all over the world um, and goes all over the country and doesn't have a job. But she, for whatever reason, this was God's call in her life that she would um, do this to speak to different people um, and speak into the lives. And God's provided somehow. It's beyond my comprehension how someone can not have a job and still do all this kind of stuff. 
But for whatever reason, that works for her. And that's an extreme case of daily surrendering. We don't, when you don't have a home, um, all you have is a car. You're just relying on what God has for you that day. So God has a greater purpose for each one of you. I truly believe that. Um, because I believe that each of you have specific people, specific situations, families, um, all kinds of stuff. And, there, and you can't rely on the, ch- the church's staff and, and elders to do those things. God is using you actually more than he can even use us. It's greater that each of you are surrendering to his will to, to advance his kingdom than just a few of us here at the church. So God has a greater purpose for each of you. And uh, I'm excited to see you guys go through that and surrender to his will for your life. So to go back to Haggai, his purpose in this situation was short but effective. Um, God used him to get the people back to their true calling. And while the story is to rebuild God's temple, it was truly just a matter of priorities. It doesn't say that these people went and worshipped false idols. So when we think of not doing what they're supposed to do, a lot of times we think that uh, as Christians that that just means we're going out and doing drugs and and whatever it is because that's the evil things. If we're not living a life fully surrendered to Him, that's obviously what we're doing. But that's not the case. And that's not the case here in Haggai. These people just went back and lived their lives. They weren't doing anything necessarily evil. It was actually probably doing good things. It actually says that they were focused on their own households. But they put off God's temple. Uh, So I'm sure these people had nice houses. It says they lived in houses of paneling. Um, So I'm sure that the things they were doing were good, but they put off the best things. And the best things were what God had called them to do. So it's a matter of priorities. So these people for 16 years have neglected to do what God wanted them to do. um, And their priorities were wrong. Now, I, I believe that God can speak to us through this passage. I don't need to hear from you to say, you know, that was a good message and uh, that God spoke to me through that. But I do pray that if some of you relate to this, maybe, you've, maybe it's been 16 years, maybe it's been 20 years, uh, maybe it's just been a few months that you've been putting off something God wanted you to do. I want to deliver the same message. I want to encourage you to get back to what God wanted you to do. And that's different for each one of you. So I challenge you today to do that. Evaluate your life. Uh, when, you do, when you leave here today, do that then. Um, or even um, over communion, and we'll have a song to finish up. Evaluate yourself. Are there things that you've been putting off? Maybe you've, you've been putting them off for good things, but you've been putting off what God really wanted you to do. And if you have kids uh, that don't nap, maybe wait till they go to bed tonight, and you can evaluate life then. Uh, so are there things that you need to say no to? Are there things you need to say yes to? Or is there something that God's called you to do, but you've put off for t- too long because the time just wasn't right? God's telling us through this story to return to Him, return to God. If you're here and you're not a Christian, a lot of this may be confusing. And truly, that, that is true. If you're not a Christian, the Bible can be very confusing. It actually says that the Holy Spirit helps us understand these things um, and how we apply them to our lives. So if you're here and you're not a Christian, God's calling you also. God calls us to Him. He draws us to Him, and He desires that that relationship be restored. Um, And that's what Jesus did for us. And and when we do communion, we're going to be reminded of His sacrifice for us. And I want to say this to you also, um, that... 
God loves you. I know that seems very simple, um, but I remember there are people that don't hear that. There are people that are told that they're disgraced. There are people who are told they're not lovable. I really don't care what your past is. I don't, I don't care even what you're doing right now. God says that He loves each and every one of us, and He desires for that relationship to be restored. So if you're here and not a Christian, I need you to hear that. God loves you. He really does. I'm going to pray as we close, and we're going to move into communion. But begin to evaluate yourself. Begin to think, how can the story of Haggai apply to my life? What are the things I've been putting off? And I want you to make a decision. I want you to respond to what God's speaking to you today. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that, God, you speak to us. Even, even when the, I fail at delivering a message, God, I, I know we count on you. It's not me. I could, I could fail every day, and God, you still work. Thank you for that. And I thank you for your word. I thank you for this story in particular. God, help us, help us put you first, that we, our priorities are you first. God, I realize that if we put ourselves first, we can look successful in the world's eyes. But you, you have an upside-down kingdom. The things that we think are right are wrong. And God, we desire to do your will. Help us do that. Give us the courage to do it, because honestly... If we do things you want us to do, there's a chance that family and friends are going to think we're crazy. But that's okay. We only desire you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.